Hello and welcome to another episode of the Intelligent Transport Podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by Ed Schmidt, CEO Emir at micromobility firm Wind. Over the next 25 minutes or so, we'll be covering an agenda that takes in numerous aspects of today's urban mobility landscape, including safety, collaboration and passenger experience. Ed, thanks a lot for joining me on this episode of the Intelligent Transport Podcast. Before we get going, uh, it would be great to get a quick intro uh, as to who you are, your role at Wind, and the route you've taken into the industry. Cool. Um, hi, guys. Um, I'm Ed. Um, I'm the CEO of Wind in EMEA. I essentially have been some kind of entrepreneur for most of my life. I started my first company coming out of school, um, classic IT business in Germany. Um, I've spent some time in China, um, living in Beijing. Um, they're being part of the Groupon Tencent joint venture um, during the, the, the group buying mania um, of the 2011-2012. Um, went after that back to Berlin, uh, worked for Groupon there, um, then joined Rakuten, the Japanese e-commerce player, um, spent some years there and now joined uh, Wind as, um, yeah, as the CEO for EMEA. Um, I've always been very passionate about um, environmental topics uh, and having lived both in Beijing and Berlin, have myself suffered from inner city commuting um, quite a bit. Um, so the opportunity of wind for me really was both a, a passion of mine where I could see I could finally work on something that I can really stand for um, and a problem that I've experienced myself firsthand more than enough. Um, so yeah, so I, I jumped at the opportunity. I've been working in various different industries and I'm, I'm very excited to be able to solve this problem now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think it's a really interesting point because even though technology is uh, the means, the goals that cities are trying to achieve are actually very human. Uh, and I think it's great to be able to be a part of that. Absolutely. Okay, so let's start then with your take on the shape of the urban mobility market at the moment. Uh, obviously with specific focus on e-scooters and electric micro-mobility. Um, you know, what kind of impact are these new modes having on cities and the ways that governments are able to better utilise the space that is available to them and reduce congestion? I think we are at a really exciting time right now where we went through a couple of stages. First, obviously, the ride-hailing and ride-sharing stage and then um, three years, three years ago, we had that um, bike sharing uh, trend and um, we've reached a stage now where the industry has matured a little bit and where we um, have the technology available to really drive electric inner city mobility, which I think is a, is a big change. Even I would say four or five years ago, you would not have been able um, to use the kind of devices with the range that they have right now. Um, uh, to actually make this kind of change, the, the, the vehicle type that we are predominantly using was just not available five years ago. Um, so I think this is a super exciting time where we really can bring inner cities to the next level. Um, the problem has been around for decades and especially in the metropolis has just getting worse and worse. Um, and um, yeah, we are, we, are now, we are now at a stage where we actually have solutions and where we can really um, make changes um, that will in the long run hopefully literally change the way that inner cities work and obviously we're all talking about getting rid of individual car transport in the long run right 
Um, I think scooters are here to stay. They will not be the solution um, to, to everything, but I think they are a, a puzzle piece, a cornerstone of inner city mobility. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's been really interesting to note over the last few years, you know, like you said, this boom where originally there was very little or, or nothing. Uh, and now we have this entirely different landscape that's just come almost out of nowhere. Um, I suppose that's the great thing about technology in this space um, is that you do see change coming to cities quite quickly now and, and quite suddenly. Um, where in the last few decades, at least, uh, it's been nowhere near happening. Um, suddenly it's like, you know, here we are. But obviously this transition has a, a wider impact on something like public transport, which I suppose could be um, described in inverted commas, at least, as the more traditional side of urban mobility. Um, what kind of impact do you think the new mobility market is having on those services? Yeah, the it's one of the classic questions, right? Are we actually replacing car trips or are we replacing um, existing public transport trips? Um, I think it's unavoidable that there is uh, some overlap with, with public transport systems. However, again, I, I really do see the, the electrification of micromobility as a um, coexisting puzzle piece for inner cities. I think there is space for um, ride sharing, even with classic cars, um, public transport systems and electric, electric individual micromobility to coexist and, and fit basically different use cases for the individual um, commuters or really anyone that needs, uh, needs mobility solutions. Um, I think in certain cases, the, the, especially the e-scooter can really be the first and last mile um, solution where you, you still, if you commute from a, from a suburb, uh, you just use it to get to your end destination much faster than you could with traditional public transport systems. Um, yeah, or um, um, obviously certain inner city trips, it, it will be um, um, not replacing, but um, uh, coexist with, uh, with the existing network. Um, it, it, just, it does give you more flexibility um, and uh, in, much, uh, in many cases also a much better experience to the user. Um, this is, as you said, right, this is, we're talking about technologies that literally didn't exist a couple of years ago. And I always have these moments when, when I use one of our own scooters and I breeze along cities like Tel Aviv or Barcelona. And I just think this is not just a way to get to work. This is an actual fun moment, right? So it really, it not just changes um, the way um, of transportation. It also changes the feeling that you have. Um, it, it changes commuting for the people. And I think this is an incredibly exciting space to be in. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I mean, they are, almost more than anything else just tremendous fun uh, i don't think anyone's been able to say that for uh, for a really long time about their commute uh, maybe maybe ever even so i think part of that customer experience kind of uh, theme is the way that scooters have been introduced to city streets uh, now when they first burst onto the scene a, a few years ago there were some issues which led to people seeing them uh, pretty much just as clutter um, the whole thing was was a bit of a mess in places. Um, so what I want to know is how Wind kind of learnt from that and really uh, what your approach is to working with cities to ensure that your fleets are rolled out responsibly and also safely. I, I completely agree. Um, I think this started even earlier than with the kick scooters, right? This really started with the bicycle. 
Um, okay. With the bicycle sharing, where uh, a couple of large providers just um, dumped bikes into the market on a on a humongous scale, and to a certain degree, today we still feel this backlash of um, both uh, users and also city halls um, about being very afraid that um, something that is inherently positive for the city and positive for the user is seen as um, as taking space and 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 cluttering inner cities, which is incredibly sad, right? Because if you think it's true in the long term, it's it's such a such a positive effect that it can have. So having this negative feeling attached to it is um, is uh, is really problematic in my opinion. So having said that, what we do is we we try to be as proactive and as interactive with the city governments um, where um, we operate as we can. We even we started as a bike sharing company. Even back then, we were already very very open and very cooperative uh, with the cities we were working with. Um, we've been active in Frankfurt and the larger Frankfurt area in Germany, and we always had a very, very good relationship with the Frankfurt City Hall, and um, always tried to assure um, that we that we work together with them, and that we, um, for example, keep to their SLAs when it comes about like um, having our assets in problematic locations, um, enforcing uh, low speed zones, um, um, even enforcing no go zones in certain areas of the city. Um, and we've solved a lot of that with technology. We are one of the few providers in the space that actually have a uh, full end-to-end -end control over the assets. So we uh, we have an, a big R&D team and we design and develop our own hardware. And that gives us a lot of possibility to integrate technology um, to resolve um, issues like this for the city halls. For example, here in Barcelona is actually a great example. Um, we have become the first legal scooter provider because we were able um, to set up parking spaces in the city um, that were equipped with little Bluetooth beacons that we also developed and that essentially only allowed our users to park the scooter in a very, very narrow area, much uh, much more precise than you could enable it with GPS trackers. Um, and solutions like this is, is really what we propose. Um, we, we always invite city halls to come, talk to us, tell us their concerns and then work together with them and see how to, how can we alleviate those concerns? How can we work together? Because again, in the end, this is a win-win for everyone, for the city hall, for, for us and for the user. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's got to be the most logical approach at this stage. And, you know, it, I think it really speaks to the responsibility that you have to the public and also to the city to ensure that what you're doing is safe. So, with that in mind, and whilst we're talking safety, you know, how does Wind ensure that its users are as safe as possible? And also, how does that affect the cities that you're operating in as well? Yeah, it uh, comes back to the same point, right? Having a uh, full end-to-end -end control over the hardware product, of course, enables us to be way more diligent um, with the, the asset that we put on the street. Um, as most players, initially, we, um, uh, we experimented with off-the-shelf hardware. And we very quickly realized that from uh, both a maintenance, but also from a safety point of view, that they are not adequate for fleet usage. And obviously, these kind of learnings went into the development of our own hardware. Now, our, our own hardware has a, a full-fledged um, uh, bicycle brake system, so both independent front and rear brakes with classic um, uh, levers like everyone is used from the bikes. Uh, we have a very low center of gravity, which makes the ride very stable. If you've tried on horse scooters, which I know is hard in the UK, unfortunately, um, but if you if you would have tried on horse scooters, you would probably 
get the feeling that it, the driving experience is much closer to that of a traditional Vespa than it is to one of these very light scooters. Um, we've got a very professional front wheel suspension. Um, in one of our next model, we'll actually um, release something with an integrated helmet. So yeah, the, the entire um, um, hardware is tailored to give the user a, a safe and secure riding experience. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I think the safety aspect is one of the keys to the longevity of micromobility. Um, but now kind of putting a different spin on longevity, I wanted to quickly touch on sustainability. Um, now, obviously, I know that e-scooters are advertised as sustainable because they produce zero emissions. But, you know, are the vehicles that we're seeing on the streets really that sustainable? if they, you know, for example, break down after, say, six months use and need to be scrapped. Yeah, absolutely. You have two components to that, actually, right? So that what you mentioned is the first component is like the vehicle itself, what's the longevity? And the second component is also really how do you service your fleet? Like how many non-electric um, driven trips do you need to do in order to maintain your electric fleet, right? Which is then just basically uh, moving the carbon emissions to a different layer. Um, I think on both sides, um, we have made um, tremendous steps. Um, we are again coming back to our hardware, but this is this is really the the key element of what we also think what that does distinguish uh, wind from other providers. We we do see how much of these topics do come back to having control of your hardware. Um, so in regards to both of these aspects, um, we have built a scooter that has a significant longer lifetime than what we could get from third-party suppliers. And um, even the parts that are still having a short lifetime are designed in a way that they can e be easily replaced. I always give this one detailed example. Um, when we were using nine-volt scooters, of course, the scooters very often fall over and then you always have to change the handlebar. It's made from a soft rubber and it, it, it breaks very easily. Um, so we managed to send our own scooter um, we changed the end cap of the handlebar to a very tough piece of plastic and uh, the main um, handlebar is still soft rubber. Now the scooter does fall over, firstly the end cap scratches way less and if I finally have to replace it, I replace a two grams piece of plastic instead of replacing the, the whole handlebar. And little aspects like this went into the entire product. Um, so our scooter is really built A to last and B also to um, on an individual component level, be easy maintained and uh, be as uh, sustainable as possible. And then the other component is, of course, how do you service your fleet? I think actually most of the large providers have by now realized that we need to move towards servicing our fleet with um, electric powered vehicles. Otherwise, we will not be able to really deliver a carbon neutral um, um, mode of transportation. Um, and of course, we're also doing that. So we are introducing like um, um, cargo bikes. Um, we're introducing electric vans in most of our markets. And we were the first supplier in Europe to actually have a model on the market with a swappable battery, which was really a game changer because instead of collecting the entire fleet every evening, um, now we just have a cargo bike going around the city, swapping the batteries. And then there's one more level on that. Also, the battery that we have built is extremely large, which means I can get a, a significant large amount of trips out of one battery um, than we can see with most of our competitors. And that, again, means uh, less trips to actually go and service the fleet. Um, so, yeah, completely agree with you that if you don't look at these um, um, additional components, 
um, I'm only looking at the, at the scooter itself, then the, the entire sustainability is, is not yet achieved. Uh, only by looking at the entire value chain, you will be able to actually uh, achieve carbon neutrality. Of course, yeah. Uh, and I think it's one of the things where we talk about e-scooters and micro-mobility more generally. It's that the general public won't necessarily recognize the operational details like those. Uh, I think that as the decisions that the public makes hinge more on choosing sustainable modes, they do need to become better informed and more aware about the ways that certain companies operate and ensure they're seeing the full picture before making their choice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is really um, part of our mission is, of course, not only to do it, but also um, be vocal about it. So um, uh, outlets like you give us a great opportunity to, to speak about these things because I think they are crucial. And I think in the long run, um, they will um, uh, help us to, to be accepted and also help us um, um, unlock city halls to, to work better with us. Um, basically finally seeing us as really being a, a benefit um, uh, to the inner city versus the clutter that we've discussed upon earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think while we're talking about sustainability here as well, there is another aspect that is very much uh, kind of in the limelight when we talk about mobility services and uh, and mass, um, and that is the sustainability of current business models. Um you know, do you think that what we're seeing in terms of the growth of the market is sustainable? Uh, and are you expecting, you know, I suppose what would be a, a pretty sizable market consolidation in the not too distant future? Yes, I do think that the current modes of um, uh, mobility are sustainable. As I mentioned earlier, we pivoted from the bike sharing and it was quite tough value proposition. Um, high maintenance, um, high complexity. Um, but after we pivoted to the scooter, especially after we introduced our own sharing optimized hardware, we are now extremely bullish that not only that we can uh, give the benefit to the user, but also that there is a, a valid business model behind everything. Um, and again, technology will only play in our favor, right? Um, you, you, you see the same on the car front. now. We are reaching the level of technology, electric skateboards, electric scooters, um, e-assist e bikes, um, pedelecs, um, that they will have the range and the power um, and the entire IoT network around it, the, um, the availability, the, the route optimization, um, both for the user, but also internally for the maintenance that we are actually achieving uh, a, a stage where this is sustainable uh, for the players in the market. And then when, when it comes to consolidation, yeah, consolidation obviously will happen. Um, I think at the moment there are still a lot of players in the market. It's already started, right? I think Zurich uh, is uh, the first of the large ones to fall in Europe. Um, there'll be more to come in the, in the next couple of months and years. Um, but I also think that there's a, there's a decent space for a couple of operators to coexist. I don't think it's a winner takes it all. Um, so we are we are very bullish about the market in general and our, about our own position. Um, and consolidation is a natural thing to happen, right? I mean, there's always uh, larger and smaller players, and I think that's yeah, that's just natural thing in a young industry to happen. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, it, it no doubt will be really interesting to see how this all plays out 
uh, over the next five years or so. Um, I mean, obviously, the landscape will look look pretty different then than it does now, um, as you know, the landscape now looks pretty different to the way it did five years ago. Um, so, looking ahead just a little, um, you know, what comes next for Wind? Uh, what kind of aspirations do you have for the company, and where do you want to see it go? Yeah, so we of course pride ourselves as being an innovator, right? Um, immediately after we pivoted into the scooter space, we knew we need to build our own hardware. So this is going to be going to stay a, a core of our um, of our ambitions. Um, so as you can imagine, of course, we already have the next model in our pipeline, which will be even better than the one we have on the streets right now. Um, then I think um, most of the players will eventually move towards um, offering different modes of transportation. I think that's a, a natural um, path to go. We know that here just purchased the coupe scooters. Um, we are ourselves actually piloting e-bikes in Tel Aviv. Uh, we still operate our bike fleet in Frankfurt. Um, so having different modes of transportation, um, even some modes that probably at the moment we can't even imagine yet. Um, I think that's that's another natural involvement for the company as a whole and for the entire industry really. And then when it comes to specifically us, um, we we really we want to write on our flags that we want to a of course change the way that inner cities look, um, but also at our core it is we do want to change the feeling of commuting. This is really um, one of our, you know, like uh, our, uh, our our marketing um, um, is the, um, uh, that wind gives you kind of a secret superpower. Uh, we really see the scooter as the secret superpower to turn a, a mundane moment into a moment of joy. And everything that we will bring out um, over the next years will, will follow this core principle. We, we don't only want to make inner city travel efficient, we also want to make it enjoyable. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, and I think obviously the aim, uh, that goal, um, and to kind of operate by that kind of motto is obviously, I think it's going to be really well embraced by the cities and the public alike. Um, unfortunately, I think that is just about all we have time for uh, on this episode. But I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and uh, and sharing your insights. Uh, it's been brilliant. So thank you. Thank you for having me. My thanks again to Ed for joining me. It's great to talk to people like Ed who, you know, have a real obvious passion for the human element of mobility and a desire to not only grow their organizations, but to grow them in the right way, you know, responsibly and sustainably. Now for more conversation and insight like this, you'll want to take a look at our annual Intelligent Transport Conference, which this year returns to London on the 11th and 12th of November. For more information, head to intelligenttransportconference.com. Now, we'll be back with another episode in just a couple of weeks, uh, but before then, don't forget to become a member at intelligenttransport.com to ensure you don't miss out on the rest of our content, and obviously subscribe to the podcast in the app of your choice. I'll see you on the next one.